the final girl on Sixth Avenue podcast. My name is Carolyn Smith-Hilmer, and I am Sixth Avenue's very own final girl. And today, I'm very excited to be talking to you about the 2008 film Martyrs. And yes, we are going to be talking about the French original, not going to be talking about the remake. I typically like remakes. Um... With this movie in particular, I feel like it's really important to discuss the original for a number of reasons. Um, But, very excited. I watched this movie recently for the first time. It had not been um, easily accessible to me up until recently. And so I finally found it to watch on Tubi, which is great. I like Tubi a lot because I feel like they are you know, picking up a lot of movies that otherwise I may not have been able to see. And of course, Tubi is free with ads. So if you don't mind, you know, taking a quick, you know, 30 to 30 second to one minute break to go refill your glass of wine or grab another beer from the fridge, Tubi is really a wonderful way to watch a lot of films that you might not otherwise have an opportunity to see. Before we jump into the the meat of you know our show today i just want to remind you all as i always do that the final girl on sixth avenue is part of the incredibly morbidly beautiful network and morbidly beautiful is your home for horror if you love horror in any way shape or form you are welcome at morbidly beautiful you can find my podcast many others like it many um, insightful film reviews written content um so much is available we have merch at Redbubble. You can also buy if you'd like to support the Morbidly Beautiful Network in that way. So head on over to morbidlybeautiful.com to check it all out and show us some love. Additionally, I want to say thank you to everybody who took the time to check out my, um, my Redbubble page because I've actually made quite a number of sales and I'm very excited for that. So um, thank you again for that. I'm going to continue having more and more designs that I upload. I am not inherently a creative person when it comes to visual art. So it does take me a little longer than I think the average person maybe to come up with things to um, design and put on there, but I am really trying. And so thank you again for everybody who's checked that out and purchased something from me because it really does mean a lot. Jumping into Martyrs, 2008 film, R-rated, one hour, 39 minute runtime. This is in French. I believe you can find it to watch in a dubbed English version, but dubs usually bother me, so I tend to watch. It's like very distracting for me when like the words don't match what their mouths are doing. So um, if that's your thing though, I. I'm pretty certain there's an English dub version out there, but I would always recommend watching it in the original format. So I would recommend watching it in French with English subtitles. Look into our Bible. A young woman's quest for revenge against the people who kidnapped and tormented her as a child leads her and a friend who is also a victim of child abuse on a terrifying journey into a living hell of depravity. I want to be respectful and try to pronounce the names of the people in this film and the director and writer the best of my ability. So please, if you have any opinions on my pronunciation, keep them to yourselves because I am not 
a native French speaker and speak very rudimentary French. But this is written and directed by Pascal Legier, starring Morana Alao, Mylene Jampois, and Catherine Begin. Before I start, I'd also like to just give a quick mention that this film is extremely heavy. Not really in the like grief sense of the word, more in the sense that um, the topics at hand are very heavy. So I would just recommend that if you are a um, or have been a victim of child abuse, this movie might not be something that you want to check out just on a casual watch or maybe at all. Um, I just like to throw it out there. There's very heavy subject matter here. And yeah, there's a lot of talk at the end of this that I am going to go into about my interpretation that also might be upsetting um, in terms of just the film. So Please, again, keep that in mind if you don't feel that this is the right episode for you. No worries. Please feel free to tune in next time. So our film opens with Lucy. Now, Lucy is found on the side of the road. She's been missing for quite some time. She meets up with some police officers and like detectives and whatnot and she takes them to what looks like a slaughterhouse um it's empty for the most part um there's it's dirty it's filthy it doesn't look like it's been used in how god knows how long right um but there's evidence of people being held in captivity there there's like a chair with a hole in the bottom, you know, so she can basically, if someone were to be strapped and tied into this chair, they could still relieve themselves of their bodily functions. Um, and you know, chains, everything. It's a gruesome scene. Lucy is not really able to communicate. Um, trauma does have this impact on people sometimes. So just judging by the abuse that Lucy has suffered throughout her time when she was held captive in this slaughterhouse, she's, she's not able to communicate at this point to anyone, um, really what happened to her. And they do make mention that there was no evidence of sexual abuse that as far as they could tell with Lucy, but, um, she definitely has like signs of, I mean, she, she looks visibly troubled, um, as anyone would after having been gone for however long she was missing and whatever type of, um, abuse, neglect she had suffered throughout her life that we don't know about yet, but we will. Um, again, she's not really able to communicate to them anything about like who might be responsible for this, this time in her life. Um, but one good thing that comes out of this is that Lucy actually makes friends with a, another girl named Anna. And so Anna and Lucy are living in like a, I don't want to call it like an orphanage necessarily, but like a youth group home basically. Um, and Anna earns Lucy's trust 
over time. And as you can imagine, that would be very hard for Lucy to trust anyone. But Anna basically says like, you know, hey, I'm going to take on this role of being your protector. I'm going to help you. I will be patient with you. And everybody deserves to have a friend. So Lucy has this... I don't really... The person doesn't have a name. So for the sake of me telling you about a film that you may or may not have seen, let's call this other person that I'm going to talk about the scary lady because it's a more of a figure rather than like a person, but it has traits of a person, of a human. But it is not human, as far as we can tell, and it is absolutely terrifying. So this scary lady is haunting Lucy constantly. And she abuses, even to this day, Lucy. She will scratch her. Lucy is in fear for her life all the time of this scary lady because it appears based on the actions that this scary lady is taking that she wants to kill Lucy. So this goes on for quite some time. And while they're in their youth home, Lucy makes it a point to make Anna basically promise, Hey, don't tell anybody that I have this thing that follows me around and hurts me. Um, Anna of course agrees They do find a doctor to try to get, I mean, when you're working with police and detectives, like, you know, you never really know if you're getting the best of the best. You never really know if it's going to be effective, but um, they enlist the help of a doctor. There's police now questioning Anna and Anna is just like, hey, Lucy talks to me she talks to me but she's not really able to remember anything about her time when she was being held captive like she's not really able to recall those things again not surprising this is a pretty common trauma response especially for children now we're in present day so there's your backstory present day about you know Let's call it 15, 20 years later. And there is an idyllic French countryside family. They are the Belfond family. Mom Belfond is, you know, outside fixing sewer lines. Dad's making breakfast. Daughter and son are, you know, arguing at the breakfast table as children, siblings do. And as soon as everybody sits down to eat this breakfast, it's Lucy. Hey, Lucy has showed up. So why is Lucy at these people's house? Well, we're going to find out. Lucy comes in, doorbell rings. Yeah, she comes in guns blazing, literally. She kills everybody in the house. She shoots them all shotgun she comes in she annihilates this entire family and before she kills the son she does ask him hey do you know what your parents did 
do you know like what your parents have done to me? He doesn't answer her because like, even if he did know, why would he admit it? Um, but she was just looking for some closure, I suppose at this point, but either way she gets her closure because she kills everybody, even him. Lucy freaks out, obviously, by what she had done. And and this scene is bloody. Like, we're talking, it looks like a real crime scene if you have seen crime scene photos of a shooting within a home. I mean, the blood splatter, the the everything. Um, it's, that's all what makes it all the more horrific, to be honest with you, in the way that it's filmed. But, um... I mean, the house is a complete disaster. There's blood everywhere. There's bodies everywhere. It's, you know, all over this nice breakfast table. And again, that's not what you expect when you sit down to eat breakfast every morning. But Lucy proves that anything is possible, my friends. So now she freaks out because she's like, oh, shit, I did this. This is kind of bad. But also, like, I don't feel that bad about it. So I'm going to call Anna. So Anna decides, okay, I'm going to come help you. And Lucy's like, look, I've done it. And Anna is like, you fucking done what, bitch? What did you do? Are you sure that these are the people that are responsible for what happened to you as your, as a child? Like, how are you 100% sure? For years, you wouldn't speak. For years, you didn't remember. And now you're telling me that you are certain that these are the people that did it and you just killed them all. What if you killed the wrong people? So obviously Anna is freaked out, but Lucy is, she's going to go help her. It's her friend. Lucy says, yep, I'm pretty sure it's them. Like I am certain it's them. And out of nowhere, scary lady, 15, 20 years later, still very real and still very much a part of Lucy's life and is attacking Lucy throughout this house. And Lucy tries to explain to the scary lady, like, look, I killed them. You can leave me alone now. It's over. Like I, I finished out what I set out to do. So you don't have to do this to me anymore. And the scary lady doesn't really seem to care. Um, so I, I guess whatever this scary thing is after, it wasn't that she wanted Lucy to go and kill this whole family. Um, but they go back and forth for a while, lots of scratching, lots of you know intimidation tactics. This scary lady is really trying to get after Lucy and kill her. And Lucy ends up escaping. And when she runs outside of the house, she runs straight into Anna. So Anna, don't know where Anna lives, but Anna seemed to get to this French countryside house pretty fucking fast. So I can go ahead and confidently say that Anna and I probably have very similar driving styles. So upon Anna's arrival, she tries to help bandage up some of Lucy's wounds and she goes in to inspect the house. And obviously she's terrified by what she's seeing. She tries to make herself throw up in the bathroom. Nothing comes out. What have you. Anyway, She's crying, she's horrified, she can't believe what Lucy has done, and she gets right to work, though. She's like, okay, like, what we have to do is, like, you have marks all over your back from the scary lady that are bleeding, they're open, we need to get them closed, 
And now we need to get everybody in the house, all the dead bodies in the house, to the bathroom. So some good cleanup is about to occur. Anna is obviously having a really hard time keeping herself together. And Lucy is like, okay, do you smell the smell of this woman's arm? Like the Belfond mother. I smelled this every day that this woman bent over me, hit me, beat me, tortured me. I know that this was not the wrong thing to do. And I need you to kind of pull it together and support me. And she shows Anna a newspaper clipping of the family and how she basically knew who they were and where to find them. And this point, Anna is like, okay, I'm good. I'm back together. We're going to figure this out. She gives Lucy a hug and a kiss and, you know, tries to comfort her the best that she can. While Anna gets to work on cleanup, Lucy... Obviously, having just done something incredibly based in adrenaline, goes and takes a nap in the Belfond family daughter's bedroom. And when she's in there, she has a dream about the torture that she endured as a child. And she checks to make sure that the scary lady isn't anywhere in the room. She also finds a knife, but it's more like a razor that you would use, like an old school razor to shave somebody's face and just make sure that she's on guard but she goes to look outside the window and she sees that lucy is out or sorry she sees that anna is out there doing all this by herself she's digging it's pouring rain she is dragging these bodies alone to bury them outside of the house in a very deep grave um and lucy is just kind of watching from ahead while anna cleans up her mess Now, because Anna is doing all this work by herself and Lucy is just, I don't know, fucking taking a nap, um, Anna goes back into the bathroom where all the bodies are being kept at the moment and is frightened when she discovers that the mommy Belfond is still alive somehow and is begging for help. So she lets out a scream. Anna tells her to be quiet and is like, please don't make any noise. I'm going to help. I'm going to get you out of here. Like, I am going to save you. I'm not going to let you die. On her way out, Lucy, having heard this noise, is like, "Uh uh-uh, fuck you. I am not letting this happen. So she takes this razor knife situation on uh, her way downstairs and goes to investigate to see if Mommy Belfon is still alive. Lucy goes downstairs doesn't hear any more noises coming from the bathroom, decides, okay, I'm sure everything's fine. So she goes upstairs to the bathroom where her and the scary lady have quite the showdown. In this bathroom with the door locked, the scary lady somehow manages to grab hold of this knife and begins to stab Lucy while Anna breaks down the door. And once she breaks down the door, they both go back into the daughter uh the daughter's bedroom of the home and sit in there where lucy begins to have another um another memory come through that we actually get to see visualized of her time in captivity and this is of the time that she escaped so she was being force fed some food being beaten and she manages to get out of this chair that she has been sitting and held in for god knows how long And on her way running out, she 
manages to harm her captor in such a way that she knows that she will not be able to follow her on her way out. And there's another room that Lucy discovers of flashing lights and she finds in it a woman who is also being held captive, chained and, you know, bloody, beaten and all. And the captor is shouting at her, don't go in there, you know, stupid bitch. If you go in there, I'll kill you. And Lucy looks at this woman, sees her and is like, you know what? I'm so sorry, but I cannot save you. I have to go. I have to save myself. And that is how she leaves. And when she runs outside of the slaughterhouse, she goes right back into normal society, beaten, bloody, basically in just her undergarments. And she is screaming and crying and just running as fast as she can, like any way that she can get out. When she comes back from this memory and, you know, we see her present day again, Anna is gone out of the room and the door to the bedroom has been locked. It's been locked from the outside, so we're pretty sure that, we can assume anyway, that Anna locked her into this room so that she could have a saving attempt at getting this mother out and getting her alive. Um, So all the while that Lucy is trapped in this room in the locked door, Anna is doing everything she can to try to save this mother. Lucy, being the um, the determined woman that she is, manages to escape this locked bedroom and catches Anna trying to move this mother out of the house while she's still alive. And Anna is basically just telling her, like, look, like, I will get you to the woods and then you're going to have to figure this out on your own. But, like, that's what I'm going to be able to give you. Well, as soon as she basically says that, Lucy comes around the corner and with some type of hammer, mallet, weapon, just beats the ever-living daylights out of this mother until she is for sure dead. And then, of course, is upset with Anna for trying to help this lady. Um, So she turns her attention on Anna for now, but we know that she's not going to kill Anna. She's just very upset, so she starts beating random shit in the house, breaking it, lamps, cabinets, photos, what have you, just trying to punish Anna for what she feels is this like disrespectful action. And it's at this point that Lucy admits to herself, you never believed me anyway. You don't believe that these are the people that hurt me. You don't believe that any of this ever happened to me. You're just like the doctors. You're just like everybody else. All you do is think that I am crazy and how hurtful that must be for, for Lucy. I mean, she tells Anna, like, I can't believe you did this. This shit is over. And Lucy at this point is going to take some pretty drastic measures. She looks up the stairs. They're on the first floor of the home. She sees the scary lady and she says, these people are dead. They are not going to hurt you anymore. So at this point, we can connect the dots and think, hey, this is probably the lady that when Lucy ran away, this is the woman that she left in captivity. So she grabs a box cutter and kneels down. And the crazy, the scary lady is, you know, gives her a hug. 
takes this box cutter and slits Lucy's arm in an attempt to kill her um, because I guess the fact that even though she got this amazing, wonderful revenge for the both of them, it's not, it's not enough. Um, now, when it's from Lucy's perspective, we see that the scary lady is the one with the box cutter cutting Lucy's arms. When we look at Anna's perspective, we see that Lucy is the one with the box cutter in her own hand cutting her own arm. So it's not clear at this point to anyone, really. But um, I think we can infer that Lucy had been doing this self-mutilation to herself all along. Um, and possibly this woman is the personification of her guilt or of her trauma, and she just simply can't take it anymore. It hurts too much. She eventually hits her head against the wall a few times, jumps through um, a glass wall that looks like it's going towards like a sunroom, and runs out into the rain. Still not dead, though. Lucy walks out into, you know, this wooded area that Anna has been carefully preparing all of, the, you know, these dead bodies to be buried and takes this box cutter and slits her own throat and um, does it right in front of Anna. So not only is Anna upset and sad because this person that she spent her whole life trying to protect is now dead and all of her efforts never seemed like they were good enough because it still ended up this way, but... Lucy caused all of this, pro all of these problems, like all of the problems that Anna is currently dealing with right now are because of Lucy, like cleaning up this house, cleaning up this dead bodies, doing all this shit. And then all, all that for her to, to die anyway. So she is a mixture of emotions. She of course holds Lucy's body, cries over it and inevitably brings the body of Lucy back inside the house to spend some time with, with her to mourn the loss of her friend and spend some time with her in a way that would make her feel honored. Now she cleans up Lucy's body a little bit and she starts to clean up the house. The next day, however, she randomly decides to call her mother. And Anna and her mother, as far as we can tell, do not have a good relationship with one another. Um... Anna's mother thinks that Lucy is a good-for-nothing piece of shit and that Anna is spending all of her time under her influence, maybe under the influence of drugs, and that she just wants her daughter to get away. Now, while she's on the phone with her mom, which she never finishes this phone call with her mom, she just kind of drops off the line, there's some built-in cabinetry in the living room that um, a piece falls out of. It's like little individual tiles almost, and a piece falls. So this obviously grabs Anna's attention. She opens these two larger cabinet doors um, underneath that tile to discover a staircase, like a hidden staircase behind and in the house. So after she's done, you know, kind of getting a flashlight and mentally preparing herself for what she's about to go see. 
she finds this complete complex that's been hidden in and under and around the house that have large blown up photos, I would say, of people that are being, the photos are of them in a time of extreme suffering, starvation, um, you know, mutilation, they're graphic images. They're almost hung in a position of honor. They're large and they are like meant to be looked up at. So these are photos are evidently meaningful. Um, people tied up, people with their throats slit, people um, in bondage attire chained. Um, and honestly, the ones of the starvations are the ones that really, really I cannot look past. I mean, they're, they're horrible. And then once she manages to get through these, she finds all of these clear shower curtains and all of the, this tiling and cement flooring. And you know what is really easy to, um, clean up off of tile is blood. So she knows right out of the gate, this shit is not good. She finds a trap door. It has a giant lock on it. And it's so nice and considerate because whoever the fuck is in charge of all of this stuff left all of the keys right there hanging right next to the door. So she opens this door, she climbs further down and she finds another woman there. So like, not only is this whole past like 18 hours of her life been just like an absolute shit show, but now there's another person that she has to try to rescue. It's a woman. She is naked. She is chained up. She is, you know, clearly starved. She is, um, it's really difficult to explain the contraption that's on her head. If you've seen the first Saw movie and you know the type of um, bear trap that's manufactured to be placed on Amanda's head whenever Amanda plays her first quote unquote game, it's very similar, but this is like a metal blindfold that is nailed and screwed into this woman's head and skull. So it's not a simple lock like Amanda from Saw. It, it is meant to be installed basically permanently into this woman's head. She's able to get the woman unchained and get her upstairs and into the bathtub. When Anna tries to bathe this lady, she freaks. Okay, like she she starts to panic. She resists. She does not want anyone to touch her. She's gone through God knows what. We don't know. She doesn't want to be touched. She doesn't want to be cleaned. She doesn't want to be cared for. She just is at this point beyond consolation, beyond comfort nothing is going to make this woman better. But Anna is really, God bless her soul, so determined to help that she starts to remove this blindfold from this woman's head. Um, screw by screw, nail by nail. It's a very graphic. Again, I, I can't reiterate to you enough how horrible the suffering is that these people are going through. 
Now, after she removes this blindfold successfully, this woman finds a knife within the house and she starts trying to cut her own arm off. And again, I'm not, I don't know, obviously. This is not something that, this this might be um, just just a response to just be done with all of this. She, I don't, I can't say my, myself that I would want to live after having experienced something like this. I, I can't say that I would. So this woman is just self-mutilation right out of the gate. She wants to cut her own arm off. And while Anna is trying to stop this woman from cutting off her arm, the woman is killed by a gun, like a a shotgun blast. And Anna's like, what the fuck? Where do all these people keep coming from? I really thought that, you know, at this point, I was pretty sure I was going to be the only person left in this house. Where do all of these people keep coming from? You're making my life hard. A group of people come into the home. They take Anna down, back downstairs to this like torture complex that's built in this house. And an older woman who is referred to as Mademoiselle and only as Mademoiselle explains to Anna what it is that they are doing with this complex. Mademoiselle explains to Anna that they and this group of people that she works with are not interested in creating victims of the world. They are not interested in, you know, hurting people just for the sake of hurting people. They are not interested in inflicting pain for no apparent reason. They are interested in torturing people in search of whether or not there is... a a true martyr in the world. They want to prove that martyrdom exists and what they would like, the goal, is for them to find the perfect person to hold captive to become a martyr. And throughout their experience of torture and all of these things, they would like for the martyr to tell them about what the afterlife looks like. They are concerned with the fact that the afterlife has been written about, but we don't really have a true account of it because people who are dead, they believe can see this afterlife and are in this afterlife, but like no one living is able to give a firsthand account of what they are seeing in the afterlife. So this is what these people are interested in. They do also explain that the reason that they typically go for younger women is because for whatever reason they believe that women are more likely to achieve this state of transcendentalism that they're looking for. And then they they knock Anna out. She's not she's unconscious at this point. Poor Anna, right? So Anna wakes up. She's chained to a chair. Same one, you know, that the rest of everybody else are chained to. And they do feed her. Like, they do feed the people 
But they pretty much feed them to the point of I'm gonna this is enough food to keep you alive, but this is like not enough food for you to like walk around or anything, you know? Like it's one of those like this is just enough enough calories, enough sustenance to get you to just keep breathing. Um, and whatever it is that they are feeding her is just fucking disgusting. It's just a slop of, you know, brown mush. Who knows what's in it? It's probably some weird recipe that these fucking freak shows have come up with to feed people. I don't know. I don't work for them, as you can probably tell. And she's beaten. So she gets the food and then she gets beaten. And this goes on until like, basically until she doesn't have the energy to fight back anymore. Like at first Anna is like, okay, well, I'm not going to fucking eat this shit. I'm going to spit it out. Well, if you spit out the food, then guess what? You get beaten badly. If you don't spit out the food, then you don't get beaten anymore. So she loses the will of resistance and at this point she has nothing left to give she's like this is just my life i'm going to accept it i'm gonna figure something out all the while that she's down here enduring all of this this suffering she has lucy's kind voice talking to her in her head and she finds comfort in lucy telling her hey you're gonna be okay this isn't gonna go on for much longer you know, I believe in you, blah, blah, blah. All the kind things that you tell somebody who's going through a hard time. At this point, because these people have thought of everything, okay? Like, I'm telling you, there's like a full-blown, like a hospital down there in this house. Anna goes into an operating theater, because of course they have an operating theater, duh. They strap her to a rack and this rack kind of um, rotates in a methodical manner by which they can perform their procedure and the procedure that they are going to perform on Anna is that they are going to flay her and when I say flay I don't mean they just took off you know her back skin I'm saying they took off every single inch of skin on her entire body she is nothing more than muscle and and ligament and and tendon i mean there is no skin on her at all and after this is complete she's still alive at this point so you know mademoiselle and, and gang are pretty happy because this is pretty far in terms of how far people have gotten in this process so, of course, Anna's suffering doesn't just end there. They're not going to be like, oh, tell us what you saw under your anesthesia. Nay, nay, nay. So now she's being hung by her arms, which would be so incredibly painful. I just cannot begin to understand. Because, again, she has no skin. And her body weight is being hung by her arms. And she's under these, like, heat lamps. And I don't know if this is done in terms of, like, a torture method or if they use these heat lamps because... She literally has no skin, so there's no way for her, um, there's no insulation for all of these now exposed portions of her body, right? So uh, maybe she needs this heat lamp to be kept alive. 
Um, if you are a doctor or a medical personnel in the world, I would love to hear your thoughts on that because it has kind of been troubling me that I, well, I also don't really want to think about this movie more than I have to because it does this part of the movie. I don't want to think about this part of the movie more than I have to because it does trouble me deeply. So now people in this group, in this Mademoiselle and co, um, are, are coming, right, to this house to view her they're coming to hopefully see her like that's the goal they want to see her um they want to ensure that she's still alive they can't believe that she is they are hopeful at this point that anna is truly going to be the martyr that they have been looking for this whole time now Anna gets fed, like I said, not a, not a lot, and the nutritional value of the food is certainly up for debate. But the woman who feeds her, it's the same woman who feeds her every day, and she is, like, monitoring her behavior. And on this day, she informs the feeding woman informs mademoiselle that anna there is something different about her she is close transcendence is near and mademoiselle is like oh shit okay yeah let me come over and as soon as she comes over she has anna who's now laying down and can barely speak whisper to her the account of her experience of the afterlife or of what she can see. Now, we as the audience do not get to hear this and we will never know what Anna said to Mademoiselle. We can only, we can only ponder and I'm sure that for some of you listening, you're thinking this is a cop-out. I too would like to have known what Anna saw, but that is, this is not my movie and I didn't write it. So the next day, Mademoiselle invites over all of these people, all of these super wealthy old people to this house and she is getting ready in um, like a bedroom with a vanity in it or like a bathroom, master primary bedroom bathroom situation. She is getting ready. Like, she's getting ready, ready, putting on, you know, she's have makeup on and everything like this. And her assistant is announcing to all the visitors that Anna will be one of four. So they've achieved this four times. Anna will be one of four women in their time to achieve this state of transcendence this state of martyrdom why these people care i i have no earthly idea so as these people are waiting they're waiting for mademoiselle to come out and you know tell them what anna have has told her and she asks her assistant, Mademoiselle does, she asks her assistant who comes to find her. She's like, Anna told me 
um, that she saw something. Her account of what she saw is clear and it is, um, you know, accurate. She described things in great detail. And she asks her assistant if he would be able to even imagine what life would be like after death. And he tells her, you know, no, I actually can't because I don't, I've not ever seen it. I don't know. Um, you know, kind of like that's the whole fucking reason that we capture these people and hold them here. So like they can tell me so that like I know, cause like I don't want to go through it myself. Instead of revealing anything at all, Mademoiselle takes a gun out of her purse. She tells her assistant to keep, keep doubting. Continue on with the doubt that you have that you cannot imagine what life will be like after death. And she pulls a gun out and shoots herself in the head. So now the only person who knew what Anna saw other than Anna was Mademoiselle and Mademoiselle is dead. So she is not going to tell any of these people that showed up what Anna told her. At the end of the movie, Anna is still lying down in this, you know, I would assume it's like a, a gelatinous type of squish that she's laying on, like a, God, I don't want to call it like a memory foam, but like she's laying in like a bath of something that clears to be like keeping her suspended in water because I can only imagine that she, it's too physically painful for her to make physical contact with anything like a bed or sheets or clothes. And she's just looking off at something that appears to be in the distance. Screen fades to black. The definition of the word martyr is presented to us. And that is the end of the movie. And now, of course, we get into the part of the episode where you ask me, what the fuck are you talking about? And what am I supposed to take away from this? Or in other words, what does it all mean? The um, ever-present philosophical question that, if you are like me, plagues your everyday existence. Now, the reason that this film, starting out first and foremost, is important. Okay. Some of you may be familiar with New French Extremity, which um, this is not actually a part of New French Extremity or New Extremity, which is basically just transgressive films that involve different elements that kind of take things to more extreme um, than, you know your everyday filmmaker and it's a term that's adopted by scholars and critics because it's a trend in um filmography and cinema that it just has far more graphic imagery than your everyday film now to give a little a little bit of uh, a taste for you for what new extremity or new French extremity might entail. 
And the reason that there's a differentiation between the two is that the French do not own this sub-genre of film, but it did um, see its start in France. Now, themes of new French extremity and new extremity. Um, brutal, brutally intimate scenes and depictions of the human body. There are, um, you know, things that might be considered beyond, beyond extreme to be shown, um, on TV in terms of body horror. There is often rape. There is often, um, a sexual assault and it's, it's not, typically shown the way that it is in, you know, your traditional film, but it takes a more grueling approach, really. The best example I can think of for you would be to um, watch Irreversible, which is another French film, in which there is a 10-minute long rape sequence, um, and the camera does not cut away at all you are almost forced to watch as this occurs, which obviously makes things far more uncomfortable for the average viewer. Um, there are different depictions of feminism and what it means to be in the female gaze. I spoke about this when I reviewed um, Raw, which is again, another French um, extremity film. And in terms of sexual violence, what it means to be a woman or what, you know, gender construction might look like. It involves things about national politics that might have occurred, you know, in the country in which the film is based that, you know, uh, oftentimes the film will be an allegory for the current political state. Um, Solo comes to mind as an extreme um, taxidermia might be, um, an allegory for Hungarian politics at the time. And there are unclear and problematic political positions. And I don't really mean that in a bad way. It's just, they don't, typically these films do not unite on one front to say, this is my position in terms of politics and you are going to follow it all the way through. It kind of goes back and forth to show you both sides and the director or the writers of the film don't typically take one hard stance. Um, and last but not least, the, the spectatorship is different. Um, it's, they are meant, to, these films are meant for you to be purely a spectator. They are meant for you to really just see it. They're meant with, for you to sit with it. They are meant for you to, um, for others within the film, like other characters in the film are also witnessing what is going on. So spectatorship in many different ways. Now, this film in particular, Martyrs, is just considered new French horror, not extreme. This is a bit of an argument because I would personally, due to the use of the body horror that took place, 
I would personally would rather put it in the extremity subgenre. Um, although it does not, again, have depiction graphic depictions of sex, sexual violence and rape and sexual assault, which are a very typical um, element, and I would maybe argue like the defining element of new French extremity and French extremity films, but this would rather be just new French horror, which doesn't necessarily include all of the aforementioned elements, but puts a very large emphasis on violence, emphasis on torture, emphasis on monsters, whether those be um, human or non-human. It has a lot of like your horror tropes, like um, Final Girls, which you know we all love a Final Girl. Um, lots of torture, invasions of homes, right? So this is just kind of their typical definition of like a horror film, but it's a new twist on it because, you know, film comes in waves and art develops over time. So that is one thing I wanted to get out of the way. Especially for those of you who might not be super familiar with French films, which I mean, I know a lot of people in my personal life, um, colleagues and whatnot that prefer not to watch things that are not in English, and I totally understand that. I do think that if you are not one who likes to read subtitles or are not one who's fluent in more than one language, then watching a film in your native language would be a more comfortable experience for you. I really encourage those of you out there, though, to just give it a try. You will be so pleasantly surprised with the films that you uncover. Um, in, in these, from these other countries. Um, if you want further examples of the extremity, new French extremity, you can look for things like um, Antichrist, Lars von Trier. I've talked about that film before. Um, Raw, of course, talked about that film before. Irreversible, Nymphomaniac, Lars von Trier, The Piano Teacher by Michael Haneke, which is, again, a movie that I'm going to cover very soon. That is one of the most disturbing films I have ever seen in my entire life, and I would argue it is far more disturbing than this one. Um, in terms of French horror, new French horror, I would say the film Them, High Tension, Inside, Frontier, um, would be associated with, again, associated with the extremity movement, but typically just the new French horror movement. Now getting into the film itself that we just talked about. Anna, in her own way, is a martyr herself um, in, in more than one way, right? So she's captured and held by this group of psychos who want her to become a martyr in their sense of the word, right? But Anna also is a martyr throughout her whole life in the sense that she has put um, Lucy before her own self, even to the point of detriment in relationships with her own mother and her own family and maybe even possibly her career choices. She is constantly fighting for 
what is good, even when she finds and she understands that these, um, this Belfond family are the people responsible for Lucy's torture. She even still wants to do the right thing. She still wants to save the mother, even though um, the mother was really the one who was responsible for most of the torture of Lucy. She still wants to um, do good in the world, put good into the world. She wants to save people. She wants to help people. She does things with good intentions. All of the things that you would consider a martyr to do. Now, a martyr also is someone who will die for something. And I think that that is pretty um, evident in the film that Anna puts herself in these incredibly difficult situations and kind of in a way accepts that she might die as a result of her protection and her belief of, you know, keeping Lucy alive and well. In terms of the... Um, portion of the film that we talk about for the afterlife when mademoiselle asks her assistant can you even imagine what life will be like after death and he says no and she just says like well keep doubting peace out and kills herself i think there's like there's a couple ways you can think about that with regard to what anna told mademoiselle we have no idea what we, we have no idea what Anna told her, right? It's, she tells her um, in a whisper, it's not audible for the audience to hear, and Mademoiselle obviously does not repeat it. She dies before she does so. So we can see, I think we can think of this in two ways. Whatever Anna told Mademoiselle was so magical and so phenomenal about the afterlife that Mademoiselle couldn't wait to get to it, that she took her own life to get there more quickly. She wanted to see it for herself because it sounded so wonderful that she just couldn't get there fast enough and she had to do it right there. The other way that I think you can interpret this is whatever Anna told Mademoiselle was basically her saying, you wanna know what the afterlife is like? It's hell and we're already fucking in it. So why continue to live it in this way? Why continue to, to do this? Why, why keep it up? One other third possibility that I mm, don't know if I like truly believe in my heart of hearts, but I could totally see being an option is that Anna told Mademoiselle nothing, told her nothing at all. And Mademoiselle, in order to not disappoint the people that, you know, um, worship her and work with her. If Anna said, hey, there is no afterlife, like I'm just looking at, you know, some, some blackness right now, just dark and there's nothing else. Mademoiselle likely felt so enraged and like her whole entire life was a lie. She had been in search of this, um, you know, whatever meaningful experience she was looking for, whatever information she dedicated her whole life to getting. However many people that her and her gang of conspirators 
tortured, killed, um, all of the harm that they have caused meant absolutely nothing because there was nothing else to give. And that is why she didn't tell them anything at all. She kept it to herself and died with that information because possibly she thought that by telling them that Anna saw truly nothing, that they would all want to kill themselves as well because of the guilt and of the just complete and utter despair of knowing that you have been searching for this your whole entire life and yet you found absolutely nothing. Now, one final thing I want to touch on is this. Martyr, being a martyr, martyrdom, living as a martyr. To be a martyr is to be essentially someone who is killed um, because of their, their beliefs, whether those beliefs be religious, personal, what have you, they are unwavering in their belief system and therefore are willing to die for that. If all of these people have fought for so long in this secret little society in, in search of the truth of finding a martyr and none of them have experienced it themselves, by the way. They torture others in order to get the answers they're looking for, but none of them are willing to able to willing to do it and go through it themselves. It almost leads me to the conclusion, and let me know if you feel similarly, that Mademoiselle might have been the ultimate martyr of the film. She believed in this for so long. She tortured these people and captured these women and held them and beat them and force fed them and, you know, did completely monstrous things to them for so long throughout her life in search of this, that in the case that Anna told her completely nothing, in the case that Anna said, there is no afterlife. There is nothing to look forward to. This is what we have. There is nothing left. That Mademoiselle would rather die than change her belief system to take what Anna said for, for the truth rather than accept that possibly the thing that she had been fighting for her entire life was a lie. Mademoiselle said, I will die for this belief. I will prove it to you. I will do it now because I refuse to believe that this girl saw absolutely nothing. That is where I ultimately end with the conclusion. That's where my conclusion ultimately, um, gets me to. And I completely understand if that's not where others end up. I just wanted to provide some sort of, um, you know, 
final interpretation on that front because that is the thing that when I read about the film appears to be what puzzles people the most is that even after we don't know what Anna told her but even after Anna told Mademoiselle something she still wanted to die and not share this with her colleagues in this secret society so it very well to me means that and it very well could be the truth. I, I'm not sure, of course, because art is subjective, that Mademoiselle was the true martyr of the film, even though the ways in which she went about it were not um, not healthy, obviously. When you are the leader of a group of people, right, um, it almost like puts me in the mindset of i suppose because the word martyr is typically associated with religion it almost puts me in this mindset of thinking okay if i had dedicated my entire life to um, trusting someone trusting a priest a preacher a pastor uh, what have you and i found out at the end of the day that they lied to me and they lied to me and they were they would not tell me the truth i would be well number one i would be irate and there is absolutely no other word around that i would feel betrayed i would i would lose faith in everything and so another way of looking at this is that rather than face everyone and tell them Hey guys, I am so sorry. Um, Anna's account, she told me that there is no afterlife. There is nothing to look forward to. I am sorry that I lied to you all of this time. I mean, they would kill her anyway. So she died. She died for it on her own. She'd rather just take her own life than have everyone else eat her alive. Um, Unfortunately, Lucy's character is a very sad case in this film. Um, Lucy has this monster, this scary lady that follows her around, who mutilates her body, who um, terrorizes her every waking moment of every single day. And really, this woman is just a, a slightly more extreme and gory depiction of the woman that Lucy left behind whenever she fled that slaughterhouse, that, that warehouse that day. And that is a personification of the guilt that Lucy feels. She knowingly left this woman behind. I cannot say that I would have done anything different. Um... But she knowingly left this woman behind and that will haunt her for the rest of her life. And so when it is finally revealed to us that with the box cutter scene, whenever, when it's from Lucy's perspective, we see that the scary lady is the one who is cutting Lucy's arms. But from Anna's perspective, there is no one else in the room ever. It's just her and Lucy. There is, that, that scary lady doesn't exist to Anna. She cannot see her. And so that's why when we see it from Anna's perspective, we see that Lucy is the one who's holding the box cutter and Lucy is the one who is cutting her own arms. And 
that's a pretty powerful way to illustrate not only guilt, but trauma. I mean, the trauma that Lucy went through and during her time in captivity can be in her mind, just attributed and visualized as this one entity, this one person, this one woman. She can encapsulate all of these feelings and all of these memories into this scary lady that she left behind. And that really is powerful. And ultimately, for Lucy, by having this woman mutilate her or this is how she sees it anyway excuse me how lucy sees it is that this woman is mutilating her this woman is torturing her the torture never ends she cannot protect herself from this but it's really that she just cannot escape what she went through she her mind will not allow her to move past in a healthy way the experiences that she went through during her childhood it is one of the more profound films I've seen. It might be the most profound film that I've seen when it comes to how this person's trauma is shown. I mean, a lot of the time when you see it, it's when someone goes through trauma in a film, you're shown it through flashbacks, which we see, of course, Um, but it's almost like it's just the sole job of the character or the actor who plays that character to just illustrate it on like an emotional level and illustrate it via, you know, talking about it or, um, like physical reactions, like shaking, anxiety, nervous breakdowns, things like this. But this is more meaningful to me as a viewer is to see no, it's it's so much more than her crying and having nightmares. I mean, this is a physical manifestation of this thing that she will carry with her for the rest of her life. And I truly can tell you that after having seen this film, I am not the same person that I was before I watched it. And I don't mean that in a bad way. I just mean that in a way that it had such an impact on me because it had all of the elements that you would need to really show someone, really show someone who's living with this type of, this type of, of, of trauma that they carry every single day and guilt and, and, and if it goes unprocessed and, and this is what it could look like and you might carry out these acts and you might be putting other people, you know, in danger. And really it, it is just a, a nice takeaway maybe from it. If, if I'm allowed to say is that if you find yourself having feelings like this, I would encourage you to seek help professional help. I would encourage you to speak openly about the things that are troubling you and communicate with people in your life who you trust, who are important to you, so that you, out of life you can get the things that you need. And I think at this point I'm done rambling, um, but I appreciate you sticking with me on it. And if you have any questions, comments, concerns, suggestions, what have you, I'd love to hear from you, especially if it's about this. This is a movie that I have thought about every day since the day that I have watched it. 
And again, I just thank you for listening. So um, you can find this podcast on Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Amazon Music, and Pocket Casts. If you've enjoyed the show, it would mean the world to me, of course, if you left me a five-star review on um, Apple Podcasts and subscribe to the show wherever you get your podcasts. You can email me at finalgirlon6 at gmail.com or send me a message on Instagram at finalgirlon6. Thank you so much for listening today. As always, it's a pleasure to sit down with, um, with you all. And yeah, I'll talk to you guys in two weeks. Don't ever forget that I am your very own final girl. Bye.